0: Hey guys, wanna do something a little different today. Derek's life has been full go and I've been traveling a good bit. was just in Miami, spent some amazing time with a group there called Hope for Life. Shout out to those guys. If you're in Miami, check them out. You can find them at hope4lifemiami.org. The They're awesome. Also got to go to the Formula One race, which was pretty cool. That said, though we have a couple of podcasts in the can, I haven't been able to get around to editing them. So I want to do something a little different today. My friend, Brent Locker, who we've had on this podcast, has his own podcast, his own YouTube channel. He had me on his podcast a couple of months ago, and I thought it'd be fun to cross-platform by replaying that conversation for you. You can find Brent on YouTube at Vibrant Life, or you could find him on his ministry website, BrentLockerMinistries.com Brent's a good friend, pastor, lives out in the San Francisco Bay Area, and easy to talk to. There's a little bit more interviewing on his end toward me, it was his podcast. But we're just two friends having a conversation about being dads, and ultimately about the goodness of our father. And that's a favorite conversation. We've both written books about the nature of our Heavenly Father. Brent's got a book called Always Loved, You're God's Treasure, Not His Project. I check that out as well. This is a conversation where we dive into the reconciling nature of God, the non-punishing, non-abandoning nature of God. A tender-hearted Father who accepts us, loves us, is always good. It's a fun conversation, one in which I ultimately start to break down the book that I'm nearly finished writing, and one that I'm excited to tell you about in these coming days, leaving and finding Jesus. As always, you can like, share, read, review. You can learn more about us at familystory.org. Uh, you can sign up to our mailing list there as well. Guys, appreciate you. I pray grace over you. Uh, I hope this podcast blesses. This is my conversation with my good friend, Brett Locker i'm here with
1: my good friend jason <laughs> jason uh good to have you back again and uh hey. looking forward to just just uh talking with you about a really good god i know i know for both of us that's our heart our whole life really yeah, is about letting people know this father that that is so uh, tender tender-hearted towards his kids and um uh, so yeah i i I wanted to, before we go there, I wanted to just, I know you just uh, had a, a time of skiing with your son. <laughs>
0: tell, me, tell me how that was. Yeah, I did feel old. We went skiing. You know, the fun thing about this story, I mean, I, skiing is my, is the, it's the love language between me and God. It's just, oh, it's so good. My soul comes alive, uh, you know, in those moments. And uh, but my son and I have, uh the last two years we've skied really epic places, Whistler and the Northwest of, just north of Vancouver and Canada. And then last year when Vail and Colorado. And so it become kind of this, my sons let me know once you've done it twice, it's now it's, this is a tradition like every year. And so he'd come to me saying, let's hit Vail again. Cause we can't quite get to Canada with COVID and all the rest of that. And, and as we got closer to when we really need to pull a trigger, it, financially it was just not viable. And, uh, so he came out like said, uh, "I'm working on my deck. I'm writing." And he says, "Dad, this is it. We got to pull the trigger." And I had to finally say, "Son, I, I, you know," and I I just kind of said it off the cuff. I said, "Son, you're gonna have to ask our heavenly Father about this one because I just we're not gonna be able to do it even with your help. We're just not gonna be able to do it. We will have to do something local." And so he he was like he understood. He walked off the porch, and then I just briefly said, "Father." I, I'd like to go skiing in Colorado with my son. Um, and, uh, and, you know, within four or five hours, an, a friend that's 20 years back runs an AI company. Um, we've, we've, we've done life together and uh, ministry together. And he called me, he said, Hey, Jason, it's a pivotal year for our company. Um, I, I would love if you could come and spend a few days with the leadership team And make just help us connect our hearts with God help us connect our hearts with one another Uh, would you be able to do that in a couple of weeks i know it's short notice and i i immediately felt the yes he's one of the few people on the planet that can call me and and i would drop things just to go you're one of those guys and say yeah yeah let's go and uh so my heart was already yes i said yeah man where where is it we'll figure out the details all that stuff but where is it And he said yeah it's uh right up near vale colorado so uh, I just started laughing. He was like, "What's up?" I'm like, "Nothing, man. I just... I. It's just a sweet, a sweet reminder of my heavenly father and understanding my love language and giving me a little tender hug from heaven." But we had a wonderful time. So I poured, got to spend some time with that group, and then uh, had a wonder. Flew my son up afterwards, and we spent two days, uh, yeah. just uh, in heaven, man. It was awesome.
1: Mm, that's so great. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I haven't thought of this story in a long time, but I have a similar one when uh, my son, my firstborn, Derek, was, um, I'm trying to think how old he was, but maybe like about seven. And um, and he wanted to go to a 49ers football game. I mean, we live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so, um, but I'm telling you, this was when we were early in ministry, you know, two yeah. years, two little kids. We did not yeah, have money you know, even a couple hundred dollars to go to a football game. So, so I said the same thing. I'm like, I, I remember uh, just praying, you know, he was talking to me at going to, uh, going to bed one night and just saying he'd love to do that. And I said, you know what, son, let's just ask, let's just ask God, you know? And so we prayed and said, father, you know, would you, would you do this? And I'm telling you same thing like weeks later, days later, I don't remember. It's been too long, but Sure. I get a I get a call from a good friend of mine, uh, Steve, who was over oversaw uh, a ministry. Uh and they were given tickets to a 49er game that he couldn't use. He's like, Would you would you like these? Wow. I, said, I love yeah. that.
0: I love that. <laughs> so man. I took
1: my son to a football game.
0: <laughs> Those are the stories, and they remind you uh of of the fact that he's a good fa- that he's he's a father. You know, I, I taught my son um, when he was really young, now my son's 20 now. So, um, you know, the, the different dynamics of a relationship, but when he was like six or seven, um, I, I was putting him to bed and I'd been putting him to bed every night, praying over him, reading books and all that stuff. And, and I am trying to remember the story fully. I, I, I had been trying to get him to connect his heart to our father's heart. Yeah. You know, I'm convinced that, uh, you lose, you lose your kids when you teach them the names of God, but you don't introduce them to the to an encounter with the interpretation right like mm-hmm. like how that's the if there's anything i'm responsible as a as a dad it's that my kids would know our father's affection an mm-hmm. actual encounter with his love and so i you know all of our kids are different in personalities and all this stuff and so my right. my older daughter she i knew she'd had these encounters and she tasted of his goodness But my son i was a little bit i was a little bit not concerned but just trying to figure out how to reach him. And I'm, I'm putting him to bed and cause when the prayer time came or any of that time, it was just, you could see he just turned off, you know, he's not, he's if we're wrestling great, but otherwise. So, uh, and so, uh, and I'm saying, I'm t- telling him, I want you to pray. Oh, well you pray tonight. You pray tonight, every night, nothing, or just the quickest thing to get away with it so we can move huh. on. Huh. Well, that day they had inundated me. Their mom opened the window to a puppy. We, I'd been saying no to dogs for years because they were little and it's just you know I love dogs but in that season I just didn't want one well and my wife and I we were in solid we were together on this then one day I'm walking out the door I look and she's on the computer looking at puppies with our kids I mean come on right like I literally looked at her and said come on you've got to be so I came back to to an entire household my wife and three kids absolutely convinced in puppy showing me one picture after another, after another. And a whole day I was, I spent saying, well, who's going to pick up the poop and who's going to feed the dog and who's going to, it's going to be me. And I'm playing with the kids. Well, well, the whole day had been about puppies and the whole day I'd been resisting, knowing that we probably were already too far down this road, but resisting. I'm in the bedroom. I've, we've done the books, we've done the reading. And I say to him, I say, I say, son, and I'm I'm about to ask him to pray. And then God speaks to my heart and it's so profound. I just, I remember getting tears in my eyes. God said, hey, um, ask your son to pray for a puppy. Ask your son to ask my heart about puppies. Wow. And of course, I two things went off of me. I'm like, oh, we're getting a dog. <laughs> but but the second thing was I, I, I said to Ethan, I said, Ethan, hey, son, I want you to spend some time Talking to our heavenly Father uh, tonight, and I want you to hear what His heart is for you regarding uh, this puppy thing, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 whatever the Father tells you, that's what we're going to go with. And then I walked out of the room, tears in my eyes, you know, because I I I, I'm like, my son's going to hear from God. Well, knowing Ethan, the first thing he did was like 30 seconds. God said yes, and I'm like, no, 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 son. I want you to really, and God has a. T- I really want you to hear from him. I'll t- tell me how he's, what he's saying to you. Just tell me, and we'll go with it. So I went downstairs and I waited about 15 minutes, and about 15 minutes later, my son walked down the, walked down the stairs to me, big old eyes, grin on his face, and he said, "Dad, God wants us to have a puppy." I said, "How do you know?" I said. I could feel his love. I could feel his yes. Something that I could, I could feel him happy about it. It's just something that it was at. And I went, oh, son, I think you're a hundred percent right. And you just talked to God. Isn't that awesome? He's talking to you. And I love telling that story because so many people don't know how to, how to hear or speak to our heavenly father. Mike, is this really as simple as, is, is leaning into his affection. He's for us. And what's the desires of our hope fulfilled. But uh, anyway, I haven't told that story in forever, man, but that's I uh, I don't know how we got down that road.
1: I don't know either, we but haven't I love
0: started yet.
1: No, I think we did start. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we're talking about the goodness of our father and what I'm hearing you say is that he's uh pretty easily approachable <laughs> that uh, yeah. he's yeah. just He's just waiting. He's like, man, I want to talk to
0: you. (laughs) Yeah, and he's interested in our pup, our kids' desires for puppies. I mean, all of it. Absolutely. At at almost fifty, you know, I can see it in my eyes if I take the glasses (laughs) off. At almost fifty, I I have had one thing that God has been inviting me into uh, for ten years now. It's like He only has one message. And he's got all kinds of other things but one thing that he can comes with comes to me over and over and over with and it's jason i want you to dream i want you to dream i want you to dream and uh we've talked about it you know when i was a young man uh i was preaching a, a class in bible callers gonna getting my preaching done you know gonna, taking a class for preaching and i wasn't preaching a class i was getting uh i was taking a preaching class and uh and i and i um and I, I got a C in that class. So that's, that's not too good. But, uh, on this day, I preached, uh, old men will have, will have visions. Young men will dream dreams. And I preached a whole message on that. Of course, the verse is backwards. I got it wrong. So there's a reason I got a C, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, afterwards the, the teacher came up to me and said, uh, it's the other way around. Old men dream dreams. Young men have vision. And I was hard to believe him. I couldn't, I was like, what are you? That's went back, looked at it. It turns out he was right. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I put it on this, I asked God about it. Didn't get anything put on the shelf and it was on the shelf for 15 years. It would come up, I'd see it. And then man, 10 years ago when this whole dreaming thing started, God began to speak to me uh, by, by opening up the conversation about that verse. Hey, Jason, do you know why old men dream dreams? He asked me. And uh, I said, no, but you know, I got to see in preaching because I got it wrong. Like I'm, you know, I'm curious about it. <laughs> and he said, uh, because old men, uh, th- they know what it costs because they've they've. They've done the envisioning that young men do. They've chased this thing down. They've chased that thing down. They've discovered my heart, the heart of a father in it. They understand what it costs. They also know that it's about generations. It's a generational thing. It's something a father actually does. That's why it's an old men type or old woman thing. It's something you do because it's a generational thing. Also, that, And they know what it costs. They, they got the scars to prove it. And, and, and they understand that as much as it's an old man game, it takes childhood. It takes you entering into uh, that place of believing like a child to do it Mm -hmm. and to be able to believe like a child for the puppy, when you've lived 50 years on the planet and you got the scars of all the disappointments and all of the, this is, this is the thing and and it's the thing that uh, that he's inviting me into that that juxtaposition of how do you how do you dream with that anticipation of a child right. at 50 right uh, i don't know man i don't know but i'm leaning into it i don't i don't know what your thoughts are as i'm talking about it
1: but yeah oh, i'm i'm thinking a lot about it because the last couple of years of my life i think god's been really having me see uh, how much of of my past was about me trying to find myself and what I did, which had a lot to do with those uh, visions. And, you know, I'm going to go change the world. I'm going to, I'm going to have the church that's going to be revival right. and everybody's going right. to come to my church, you know, right. So it was very, right. very me centric um, yeah. trying to find me, I would say. Trying yeah. to, you know, we could say as well, it's trying to be important and all that. But a lot of it, really, if you get right down to it, I'm trying to find myself and what's my place. And I think that's where most people are. Like we, we keep trying to do something to feel like we're more important or we've accomplished something. And so, it's really only been the last couple of years. And okay, Jason, you you shared. So I'm I'm getting closer to sixty. I'm get, I'm really close, but don't look too close at <laughs> to my. But anyway, so at this stage of my life. <laughs> This stage of my life, um, I I think I want to affirm what you're saying and say I think too. What happens is 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 as we exhaust our own efforts at trying to accomplish what we think God wants, we get down to realizing it's just what we said about this simplicity of this intimacy with our Father, and yeah. and once we get to that place of of not trying to do enough to be enough. Finally, we can start dreaming his dreams. Like his dreams have yeah. always been inside of us. And yeah. and yeah. I would say that I would say even my 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 vision early on, my exuberance, my youthful exuberance, it included some of his dream. You know, I wanted unity, Absolutely. I wanted I wanted revival, people to know him for sure. But there was still a lot of my own needs laced into all that of trying to find my importance. And I think as we get older, we realize, oh, uh, a lot of the things you and I teach teach and, and have lived out is that, oh I, I am important. I, father right. you say I'm important, that's enough. I'm, yeah. I'm enough in your eyes. Yeah. And, and I think that's when you can start thinking generationally, yeah. you know we had this phrase you and I both know it because uh, we've heard it so much is that is that when we talk generations is that our ceiling is the next generation's floor. Right. So, you know, and and there's some truth in that. But a lot of those things, I think just, they're just phrases. <laughs> and yeah. we actually have to realize, oh, I think, I think I was trying to build my own thing. And therefore I couldn't let them rise above me. Yeah, But now you get to a certain stage of life and you go, no, it really is about all of us
0: together dreaming the father's dream. So those are just yeah. some of the thoughts. That's that it if there's any place where I've put my, my certainty, because I think the older you get, you either have to confront your, you know, you have to repent from all the certainties you had in your, in your, in your youth, you know, Yeah. Yeah. and and yet, and yet we can't make it through a day without having somewhere to put our, to put our feet down on, you know, there's gotta be a solid foundation. And the place where I've, where I've put it is, and, and, and thankful for the places that have come along the way to help me do this, but the place I've like Bethel and, but I've put it in the goodness of God revealed, obviously through Jesus on a cross, reconciling the world to himself. But it's that goodness of God to me that, that has been the most empowering thing in, in what we're talking about, because really what we're talking about is trust. Mm-hmm. Um, am, am I able to trust him? Am I able to trust that he knows the desires of my heart and the longings of my heart better than I do? Am I able to trust him that in the middle of this disappointment, he's for me and he's good? Am I able to trust him that even though I may see poorly and even be acting on my poor understanding, you know, whether it's Peter going into the Garden of Gethsemane uh, under the uh, under the idea of a, of a kingdom that needs to be established by men willing to die and also men willing to kill. Right. You know, there was so much flaw in his lens. He had some of it, right. He, and, and even the, the relationship with Jesus was right. And his desires for the kingdom to be expanded was right. And his and his willingness to lay his life down was right. But, okay. but because he had such a flaw in his lens, he also was willing to kill on Jesus's behalf. Right. And that was killing him. I mean, it was eating him up even in those moments. Cause I've got those moments in my life. It's one of the prayers that I still come to him because I, I realize at almost 50 there are places where I know he's good but I still am learning how to trust him. I'm still having to come back to this place of I trust that you're good. I trust that you're better than my capacity to understand. I invite you to 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 revisit my lens. I want to I want to be able to walk clear and clean with the under, with a greater understanding that it isn't it that It is, it's about me, but it's not about me. I get to participate in this union with him Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and that he does want me to go skiing. He's always wanted me to go skiing. He does want me to have the puppy. He's, he's passionate about those things. I, I'm writing right now and it's not a left turn, but I, I, it, it, for me, it fits very well. And some, a lot, a lot of what I'm kind of processing is because I'm writing this book yeah. I'm writing about the difference between obedience and, and the difference be- between obedience and union, uh, or obedience done outside of union and obedience done inside of union. And, and the fact that, uh, that Jesus actually says to his disciples in the Passion Version, I, I don't know if he got it right in the Greek, but he got it right. Mm-hmm. The Passion Version says, I, I, I never called you servant. I, I never called you servant. I called you friend a servant doesn't know the mind of the master, doesn't know what's going on, but a friend, I tell everything the father's revealed to me. And I'm, and I'm realizing that the invitation, the thing that I've been leaning into as I discover his goodness and I, I grow in trust and therefore intimacy and, and awakening to, the, my, to my union with him is, is that I, I look at Jesus and where a young man would have looked at Jesus as he's the most obedient person on the planet. And, and it wouldn't be wrong. And I would make obedience my high watermark for maturity. I'm, I've discovered that Jesus didn't, didn't live his life from inside the context of obedience. He lived his life as a friend. Yeah. And so, and so all the stuff he did, you could look at it through one lens and say it's obedience, or you could look at it through the other lens and say, it was everything he wanted to do that day. you know. He woke up in the morning and and he thought, what do I want to do today? And he did it. And then we look at it and we can look at it through one of two lenses. We can look at it. Right. We can look at it inside the context of a, a, of a master-slave relationship say, man, Jesus was the most obedient person on the planet. That must be what the high water mark of faith is, the high watermark of our spirituality. And for the first part of my formative years, that was what it was about, radical obedience. And of course, that's beautiful. But the whole point is to find and to discover the heart of the Father. The whole point is to awaken to how he thinks, moves, and has his being. The whole point is to become one with him, discover our union, and awaken to the desires and the hearts, longings of our own, heart and realize they're in alignment with him. And then in the morning when I wake up, it's not, it's, it's either or father, what do you want to do? And, or man, I would really like to. And the father's like, yes, let's do that today. (laughs) Let's do that. Let's do that. And I think that's old man dreaming, to be honest, that I'm trying, I'm just awakening to going, Oh, this, this dreaming with God is, is really simply leaning into what's in my heart, realizing that i'm i'm alive in him that we're we're growing in union and then going what does jason want to do today oh let's do that and 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 discovering that that's the very thing of my father's heart and there's no striving to it and anyway now i'm getting on a preach but that's good it's good preach yeah
1: makes me think of that scripture you know uh where, where jesus says if you if you love me you'll obey me and so you know taking exactly what you said if, if right. it's, you know, if we're out of, if we're not in relationship, we're seeing that as well. If you love me, you right. better obey me. <laughs> as opposed to, relational union says, if you love me, you will obey me. Like we're right. going to
0: do this together. Like your obedience is actually can be the fruit yeah. of your love for me yes. instead of the proof of your love. Yes. For me. I Great. Love that.
1: Great. Well said. Well said. Yeah, exactly. So, and, uh, you know where that excitement's coming from is because, like you said, you're you're uh, you're processing all this. I mean, of course, all of life is processing all the, the goodness of God, but but um, so tell me tell me the, about the book. Let's just let
0: people who are listening like what 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 are you writing? What's it called? When's it coming out? I am heart, soul, mind, and strength deep into this this book. And I am really close to starting to send you copies of the first three, four chapters and a few others to get your feedback and your thoughts on it. I'm real excited about it. The book title is Leaving and Finding Jesus. And it may be, we may change it to Leaving Jesus and Finding Jesus, whatever reads better. But the, but the, uh, but the book is uh, a lot of what we've talked about, though some of these stories wouldn't be in it. Um, but here's, here's the point. Uh, I, I I had a conversation with a, with a, with a young lady a, a few years ago. She called me up. She was um, at the top of her uh, area of expertise. I mean, we're talking elite level type of a person. So very driven, very much about performance and a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I am very much involved in her life in a pastoral way. And she called me up one day out of the blue and said, Jason, I'm leaving Jesus. That was how she started. Now, mm-hmm. I know enough about her to to know that uh, I wasn't, I just needed to shut up and let her talk. And she did. She went for about an hour and a half. Anytime I interrupted, she pretty much, <laughs> she had words for me. She was not, she was not in a good place. It was an existential crisis. And what she was doing was she was she was telling me, making a case like a lawyer, for why she was leaving Jesus. And as she was doing that, of course, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, I'm inviting Holy Spirit into my heart, and Father, give me what is it that you want to speak to her? How do you want to? How do you want to speak to her? About an hour and a half in, she's made her case. She comes back around, and like a lawyer, you know, um, she gives the the closing statement. Goes through all of her points again and ends with this phrase: "I'm leaving Jesus." And when she said it out of my mouth, uh, almost immediately, I responded, "I think you should," which was was shocking to her, it surprised her. It wasn't what she was looking for. She had called me as a pastor. She'd met Jesus. This was why she was in torment. She'd tasted of his affection. She'd known his love, but here she is, twenty years later, having applied every uh, transactional. Uh, discipline, every principle, taking it to its conclusion. And she'd done it in the context. Let's, let's just say she's done it in the context of a servant. Mm-hmm. She'd done it in the context of a slave. She'd done it like an older brother out in the field, plowing away every day, slaving for the father she knew as a master. Mm-hmm. And she was done. She was done. She, she, she was done. And so when I said, I think you should, it angered her so she went off on me. She had a couple expletives. Uh, she, she, she made her case and I, and, and then she shut up and she said, she said, what do you mean? And I said, I think you should leave them because the Jesus you're describing to me is killing you. Mm-hmm. And then she got quiet because again, she's, she's at the top of her field and I just said something she'd never heard before. She said, what, what are you saying to me? And I began to walk her through, uh, what I see, um, as maybe the greatest issue, in the church today and therefore in the world, I began to walk her through the retributive lens she had on the nature of God. And we started at the cross. And I said, you know, there are two perspectives on on what took place at the cross. One is that the father couldn't look upon sin and demand it; couldn't forgive sin. It was beyond his capacity. And that all of us were in Adam, but not necessarily all of us were in Jesus. I said the father looked upon the cross, and then he and and when when sin came upon Jesus, he had to turn his head away, and Jesus cries out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" I said that's one v- view. I said that view takes a perspective on God that says uh, God is about punishment. God is retributive. He's about punishment. God is uh, he will abandon us in our most most epic hour of need Mm -hmm. and we have that woven that thought is woven into our worship it's woven into because if god will turn away then he's a god that is about earning he's a transactional god sin is greater than his love sin is greater than his capability to forgive It's, Mm it's penal substitutionary atonement for anybody who who's listening Mm-hmm. and uh, something that I I think has been destructive, destructive, destructive to the Western church. I said, so there's that lens. I said, there's a, there's the lens that a good father who will never leave or forsake us. Uh, and I told this story and I've told it here before. My dad got almost caught his thumb cut off by, uh, or by a skill saw when I was younger. And so I'll say this real quick. He almost got his thumb, thumb cut off. And when I, When I, and they sewed it back up, they saved it, and the skill saw popped up, you know, they cut his thumb off. And when I, when I, as a kid, asked him why he thought that, why, why, why that could have happened, his response to me was, and he wouldn't say this today, but it was the teaching of the day. It was the, it was the retributive, punitive, abandoning God teaching of the day that was woven into everything we think, how we think, move, and have our being. And it was, he said, Jason, I think, I think God's trying to get my attention. I think he wants to spend more time with me. Well, I can tell you 99 stories of how amazing my dad is, right? If I'm just telling, describing my father to you and I tell you 99 stories, but one time, and then I slip that 10th, that hundredth story in and it's, well, one time, uh, my dad took a skill saw to my thumb, uh, cause I, I wasn't giving him enough attention. Uh-huh. I don't care how many stories I've told you about how good my dad is. That's the one that sticks out. Uh Because you can't trust a God who isn't always good. If he isn't always good, you know, if you can't trust him, it's going to cut you off from trust and therefore access to intimacy. You think you can climb up into my dad's lap if he used a skill saw one time? and it's justified. I'm justifying it, telling you 99 good things he did, but one time. So I I shared that story with her. I said, look, there's a lens on, on God where he looks away, where he uses a skill saw, where and we justify it, and we put words like good around it. We actually bend our understanding of the word good to make it mean evil, because that's what it is, straight up evil. But we're going to actually play games. Then we'll go back into the Old, Old Testament, and we'll find stuff to prove it but here's actually what took place at the cross jesus christ only time he ever refers to god as god and not father he cries out my god my god why have you forsaken me and he's taking us to psalm 22 and most people who are watching this know the psalm but i'm this is where the what i'm writing and i don't know that most of the, what the western evangelical church is aware of this my god my god why have you forsaken me is a psalm of david psalm 22 it's a prophetic psalm of what took place at the at the cross in which at the end of the day, it talks about, he, they pierced my hands and my feet. It's a Davidic Psalm. It's one of those, why God, right? They pierced my hands and my feet. They cast lots for my cloak. My, my bones are out of joint. Uh, I'm parched. All of these, all of these uh, parts, uh, are, all of these are parts of that song.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it comes to this place. And in my day of trouble, he did not turn his face from me. Mm-hmm. And I said, so there's two perspectives on God. I think one is that God is retributive and that he can't look upon sin and he can't forgive us and that Adam's sin is greater than what Jesus did. The other is that all were in Christ and God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us, that he's not in the sin counting business, that he's in the forgiveness business, that all things are being reconciled in him, that he never turns away, that he is a hundred percent good. He doesn't use skill sauce. So this is the book. It's a leaving of that and and a stepping into what, what does reconciliation look like?
1: Mm-hmm. What does
0: it look like when we approach scripture? What does it look like when we think about justice? What does it look like when we describe hell? What, what does it look like when we visit the end times? Mm-hmm. What does it look like? What does it look like when we think about leadership? Mm-hmm. Why do we have such a big deconstruction movement today? I would think because one reason is because we have a, 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 a leadership that has a skill saw view on the nature of God. And if you have a skill-saw view on the nature of God, you participate in skill-saw leadership. Right. And and boy, oh boy, there's no greater wound than a spiritual authority yeah. wound yeah. Uh, yeah. that is birthed and retribution. So this book is a leaving of a retributive understanding of God, a retributive approach to scripture, a retributive approach mm-hmm. to justice, a retributive approach to leadership and, and, and rediscovering, if you will, our native tongue that all are in Christ. Right. That God is reconciling. He's about the work of reconciliation. And right. That's a lot of talking, uh, to, to articulate chapter one and two. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the ones I'm writing right now. So. so that's where you can, leaving and finding Jesus. That's what we're chasing down. He's better than we think he is, brother. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all it is.
1: Yeah. You, you
0: obviously you shared so
1: much right there and but i wanna i wanna i wanna pick up on what you just said, talked about this deconstruction movement and um yeah uh, just to say that really what this this woman that you were helping that was what was happening is that she That's right was a necessity to deconstruct some of the some of the wounding some of the yeah the, the, the beliefs she had that were tearing her apart. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah, so I,
0: yeah go ahead. Well, no, and, and 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 so this book, what what I was doing was D de- and reconstructing with her, yeah, I, I, because, yeah, and, and what we were doing because what we did after that is I took her through uh, I took her through repentance and repentance as I know it, and we've talked about this that repenting is uh, you can describe it a whole lot of beautiful ways, but it's changing the way you think, and and yeah. for me lately, I've been describing it as. Uh, it's when I have a, a thought about God that isn't as good as who he really is. And so I repent. And so I begin to take her through that process mm-hmm. as I'm talking about the cross. and right. And, and and use the Emmaus Road to do it. And and that was why I, I jumped in because I didn't realize I realized I didn't say that. This book right. is modeled after the Emmaus Road. So chapter one straight goes into the Emmaus Road, which is to me fascinating mm-hmm. because you've got Jesus showing up on the road to reveal himself to some guys, and he knows that if he if he shows up at Jesus, their their God lens, which right. was, by the way, the same lens that Peter had in a garden with a sword. Yeah. It was a kingdom that required a a punishing God to establish it. And Jesus had just flipped the tables and said, no, the kingdom's established by my death. Right. There's no greater love than this that a man lay his life down for his friend. I'm going to show you this upside down kingdom. I just won by dying and living again. And Mm -hmm. so he gets on the road, but to, but to get them to be able to perceive that he can't show up as Jesus. He has to show up as a stranger. Hmm. So he can reveal to them in Scripture what's really going on. Yeah, and 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 so yeah, we use the Emmaus Road uh, throughout this whole book uh, to basically do what you said. Hey, deconstruction, uh, because I have so many friends in the church and uh, that are all over the place, and some have a real—they're really really concerned about deconstruction.
1: Yeah,
0: and I find myself positioned these days because of just the nature of the journey I've been on uh, to be able to speak into and encourage those that would consider themselves on, on that deconstruction journey. Uh My passion for them is that we would deconstruct till we find the cornerstone.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: and then that's rebuild on Jesus as that's he truly it. is. That's and it. for me, he truly is reconciling love. And, right. and uh, right. so it's not something to be concerned of. In fact, I think that Billion Soul Harvest that is prophesied within the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic church that we are so waiting for and leaning into is actually uh, got its inception in this movement it's not a perfect movement. It's a, mm-hmm. it's, there's anger and there's hurt and there's reaction and there's straight yeah. up Gnosticism and atheism and nihilism. It's all sitting over there, yeah. but there's also a real sincere desire to discover that all were in Christ, right. discover that cornerstone. And, and, right. and so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm primarily writing to that audience, but, uh, I'm probably going to step on some toes for those who, um, are still making their bed in that uh, penal substitutionary atonement uh, approach yeah. to God. Yeah,
1: but I think you and I both have have decided that um, I, I well, the closer we get to the Father, that we yeah. have to represent His heart as He's showing it to us. Like there's really no other option, and and that's you know I, I've come to that place of uh, the, this tenderhearted Father. I can do nothing else other than display and and share who He's been to me, what He's done for my life. Yeah. And, and like, like there have been times in tears, Jason, where I've, where I've, I've, because I struggle sometimes maybe like you, I don't know, but trying to people please and well, these people aren't right. liking what I'm saying. So maybe I need to change what I'm saying. And honestly, my, my father, my heavenly father in the most tender way is, is asking me, would, would you represent my heart the way it is, the way I'm showing you, even if, even if you have people that get angry or or think you're, you know, a lunatic or whatever. But I, I, I'm, I'm at that place along with you, Jason, where I don't really have an option anymore. Uh, I have to, I have to share what I know is true, what the Father has shown me is true.
0: Yeah. But yeah. doing
1: it in a way, this is what's going to be unique is, is doing it in a way that actually demonstrates love. Uh, because the way the world is and the way the way religion is, and I describe religion as as those who you know are really stuck in that m- mindset of, of of trying to do and be enough, and that gets us angry and judgmental and all the yeah. rest. Yeah. So, you know, can we with this different lens you're talking about of a good God, a Father who loves his kids, who was in Christ reconciling yeah. the world to Himself? Yeah. Um, can we can we share that in a way where we're not vilifying others that don't that aren't there yet that where we can you know genuinely just love people and yeah. demonstrate the love by not judging by not condemning by not uh putting other people down uh man if we had a world that that was like that what a wow. safe place that would be to actually learn and encounter and realize we're in different stages of this, of this walk, finding our father. And therefore, if we're representing his heart, we're going to love people where they are, which yeah. means their words aren't going to offend us. Uh, and we're not going to try to correct everything they say. We're actually going to, as you just said with that woman, we're actually going to listen to their story. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what, that's when we get offended, which is what religion does it, that we don't listen to stories anymore. we we've made it all about us and our own discomfort instead of actually what's going on inside of that heart and how can I love you where you're at? So, yeah, I love that That's about good, you, Jason. Good. Yeah. And, and uh, gosh, uh, you know, the one more thing I want to throw in and then we're, we're probably going to wrap this up soon, but, but um, when you talked about God was in Christ, reconciling the world, you know, it, I'm going to go back to my, my friend, Paul Young, who, who wrote the shack. That was one of, for me, one of the more powerful moments of that movie where Papa, you know, when, when uh, now I'm trying to think of the main character's name, um, lost yeah. it, but anyway. <laughs> Mac, Mac is his name. Mac, when Mac, that's right. Yeah. When Mac says to Papa, well, you know, where were you, you deserted your son on the cross. And, and that's when Papa says, no, you, you got that wrong. You, you don't understand and showed the wounds, the, yeah. the same yeah. wounds in the father's hands that I want to talk about a picture that, speaks louder than words. It's like, oh my gosh, I remember just weeping, you know, first time I read that.
0: And then when I saw it in the movie, I was a mess in the movie when I watched that in the theater. Well, when you realize the cross is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all humanity in Christ, Mm -hmm. taking the delusion of sin or uh, of separation, of abandonment, of behavior, of uh, behavior-focused, transactional, sin-conscious relationships with God to its conclusion, to its death, and then revealing to us there is no distance, there is no separation, there is no delay—that we are uh, all in Christ, all in Adam, and all in Christ. in Christ. Man, that is good news. We're on the cusp of of guys like you and gals that everywhere it's happening people awakening to the reconciling love of 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 god uh, in us and our union with him and and suddenly we have the empathy and the compassion by which to navigate beside folks who are striving under that punitive retributive understanding of god and life so yay god for that
1: yay god yay god and what I'm taking out of to what you said just a little while ago, Jason, is that we are we are in the midst of that worldwide harvest, the revival we've been crying out for. And, and uh, it's looking like we always say, it always looks different than we think. The next move of God. Um, one of the things I always said is, man, I don't want to be the one one of those that that shuts off the next move because it wasn't like the last one and Amen. you know what with world events and the way things are happening and and now as we just said this deconstruction people really challenging what they believe their faith and what they thought was yeah. true yeah. It, and the reconstruction building it on the right the right jesus <laughs> the the, <Yeah>. right <laughs> one, the real one the real father yeah i'm, you, I'm agreeing with you i really in in depth of my spirit i'm excited uh it it's it's not always easy we need to spend time with people we need to love people who 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 are are angry and agitated and and uh it's so it's not easy but man god is doing something big and i'm i'm grateful for you jason i really am because i i love uh having friends that i can talk with about all this um learn new language around things um know that I'm not crazy, that I know, (laughs) uh, you know, I I think we need that sometimes. It's just, I'm, I'm hearing the spirit of God for myself. You're hearing the spirit of God for yourself. And when we start to compare notes, we, we, we realize, wow, God really is telling his children something. He wants to be known and seen for who he really is. And, and And I mentioned earlier about, about being in tears about this, because, because really truly who, who, here's here's a father who's pure love and completely misunderstood to be almost the exact opposite of that yeah oh my gosh how heartrending and I was actually feeling his heart like I was feeling for the father like oh this is terrible that people would actually think these horrible things about you and and that I know that I know that warms his heart when we when we are so connecting with his heart. It's, it's like that we genuinely care. It's not just one-sided. It's not, God, what are you going to do for me? But, oh, Father, how how could people think this about you? And we actually care for his heart. I think that's a really big deal yeah. in a relationship.
0: Bro, I, it's everything. I, I I remember weeping, writing down this, this, and hearing my father say to them, tell them I did not look away. Tell them I didn't look away. Yeah. I mean, it gets me now. I just think I remember writing it going, yeah, you didn't look away. Nah. My whole life, the first 30 something years of my life, I nah. had to live with a skill saw father contending nah. for his goodness while believing he abandoned his, his precious son to a yeah. cross. Yeah. oh How glorious, gloriously good to discover. That is not the gospel Jesus revealed. Nah. but Yeah. I love it, nah. man. I love yeah. you. I love, um, the same thing, having friends in your life, when you live in the context of reconciling love, uh, accountability, it, it looks like this. You have friends in your life who say, yes, okay. and I get corrected talking to you by your yes, and does that make sense? It refines. Yeah. What I'm going, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, I hadn't seen that. And maybe yeah. I was hearing this. And yeah. how much more fun is that? Yeah. Instead of laboring under the "I'm not worthy," "I'm not good enough," uh, yeah. "I'll never measure up" right. gospel that I grew up in, which is again a fruit of that yeah. abandonment perspective on God. So so thankful for yeah. Thank you. Thank for your yeah. yes and. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and um, I
1: just want to to let those who are watching listening know that um, Jason's agreed. You know, I've asked him if he would kind of regularly join me i know i have others that i'm i'm doing podcasts and and uh, you know video conversations with um but i'm so grateful jason because even today um for this was not planned we did not decide ahead of time what we were going to talk about and all kinds of great things came out so i'm looking forward to other times with you and and um you know yeah. i it's a different view of iron sharpening iron isn't it <laughs> it's not yeah yeah you know, it's not painful like i'm gonna chop your hand off because you said the wrong thing it's actually like you just said yes and i love that yeah, and yeah. so i look forward to many more of these conversations and uh man i just i bless you and and uh yeah, yeah, just want to yeah, take yeah. a moment really to bless all of you who are who are um, watching who are listening and I'm uh, just saying, man, I, I, I pray that out of this, you've, you've been encouraged to uh, boldly approach. The, there's that scripture, boldly approach the, the throne of mercy, of grace, because you have a father who, who uh, already accepts you. You have one who already loves you, who, who uh, will never turn you away. And uh, the one where you can go and and uh, ask for uh, let's see puppies and forty nine er tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and not to say that we not to say that we get everything we ask for. It's it's the relationship. It's the father who who loves and who loves to, right. to to just pour out his grace and love on his kids in ways that astound That's us. Right. So thanks, Jason, for helping me to articulate more of this goodness of God, and uh, look forward to other conversations with you. Love you, man.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. We we love doing this podcast. Uh, if you're looking to find us, Derek? Yeah, you can find uh, our church at rivercharlotte.com. Uh, me personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all the places at, at Pastor Derek T. Com. And It's good. It's really good. He's a Twitter savant. You really got to follow him. Uh, I do Twitter as well. I'm not as good at it, but my handle is uh, at jasonclarkis. Uh, you can find us uh at afamilystory.org. That's uh, the name of our ministry. And uh, if you sign up for the mailing list, you'll get weekly emails with articles, weekly articles and podcast information. So you can find the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, all the places you can get podcasts. Type in Rethinking God with Tacos and we'll be there. That's exactly right. And also uh, like, share, retweet, and uh, and man, if you could write a review, it actually does something for the rankings. It it, makes it does, it more available, yeah. So, but a five-star review, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, if you can't write a five-star review or something, <laughs> like just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if you can't say something nice, don't say anything. Don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that, and then apply that to this podcast. Definitely. <laughs> That's my motto. That's I like what I do. It. <laughs> so love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. God bless.